0: Hello everyone and welcome to this installment of Burridge and Tom Rambling On. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my good friend Burridge.
1: Yes, hello, that is me. I hope you're all having a fabulous day. Let's have a look at our topics today, shall we?
0: In this episode we will be updating you on the status of our podcast.
1: What streaming
0: services are even up to? And Apple's latest announcements. Also <laughs> just have to say, fabulous day darlings fabulous day darlings it's wonderful out there actually it is fabulous day here in good old blighty it's not raining for a change Mark on your calendars
1: yeah absolutely this is
0: it's been quite dry so far it has
1: actually we we've had a spot of rain the other day but i am in cornwall so you know
0: now now that i walk to work i tend to keep a closer eye on the weather so
1: well i mean that may change for me soon too i may be doing the same we'll see uh (laughs) Yes, so our first topic today is actually surrounding us, uh, of the podcast. As all things should. As all things should. Um, in the last Just couple the of weeks, yes, <laughs> it is the gravity, yes. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we have been doing some changes behind the scenes, which will, in the long run, support the podcast's future endeavours. Um.
0: As well as related projects.
1: As well as other related projects, uh. So we've moved away from Kofi to Patreon. Uh it made so be- no difference to us in a way because Kofi we had no supports on Kofi yet anyway, so we felt like the change would be better for us overall because Patreon's of Patreon's reach. It has that recognition. Has the recognition. So I think in that sense it works better for us. Um Thanks to a chance email we got in the inbox the other week, um, we've actually moved away from Anchor as our uh, like
0: propagation propagation. Uh, yeah, it's like the sort of hosting and back end thing they yeah. provide. That's um, the. Word.
1: I was making sure I had the right word in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, as a, our... hmm?
0: it's sort of a like a targeted CDN really of content distribution network.
1: Yeah, Uh, so we've moved away from Anchor, and we have moved over to Acast. Um, Our podcasts are not affected, so if you listen to it on one platform, you should still be able to listen to it uh, just fine. Um, Our YouTube VODs, uh, they've all been made unlisted because of an issue, I'm pretty sure on YouTube's end, where as the videos were being released, they for some reason got published in the wrong order.
0: Thanks, YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah uh so they are in a playlist though so if you go to the and tom youtube channel and find the playlist it is just there but all future vods starting from this episode will publish as live and can be seen on the channel just fine um we're using Acast to publish it automatically now so the youtube vods will be up to date with
2: everything else with uh
0: very useful,
1: really, uh, because the YouTube fell behind because I couldn't be bothered, honestly. It's my fault. YouTube's a little bit
0: of a pain, though. It
1: was a pain in the ass because I had to render it as an audio but also as a video, whereas Anchor sort of just does it for us. It also adds a nice little, um, you know, has our podcast image. It also adds the little audio bar, which I always wanted to add, but I don't have pro software to do it with. So it's nice that that's a thing now as well. Uh, feels a lot more podcasty. I feel you know. Yeah, uh, one,
2: one,
0: one of the advantages to ACAST is is that.
1: Yeah, well, and another advantage is we are now on Amazon Music slash Audible as well. So if you use Audible for your uh, podcasting actually,
0: needs, I'm, I'm going to see if it actually comes up on the Audible app because I saw it came up on Amazon. But you you continue. I'll uh, I'll find out. <laughs> All right. Um,
1: If you have joined our Discord server, uh, you will be notified of releases there now as well. Uh, I've set up a web integration to automatically post there when we release a podcast episode.
0: Yeah, it does show up on
1: Audible. Ayyy. Supporters of Patreon will be given a supporter role on the Discord, and it costs £3 a month to become a supporter. Uh that's all the major updates really for the podcast side of things.
0: Um, yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about um exactly why we've moved other than like these these reasons. Um it's like so ACAST, part of Spotify, an American company, which makes if we were ever to get to the point of wanting to monetize the podcast, it would be a little bit more difficult. Um, mainly because they haven't launched any monetization services outside of the United States yet. Whereas ACAST is Swedish, I want to say. It's definitely European. Yeah, ACAST is European, which uh, European tax laws align more with British tax laws. Even though there was the big disagreement a few years ago that we're still suffering the repercussions of. Thanks, Britain. (laughs) Stay um, tuned
1: for our first Patreon episode
2: where we talk about all that. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, we bring in a special guest.
2: Um, yeah. You know, it. it's more aligns with what we need.
0: I mean, we have a bit of a more distant relationship with Spotify now, but... Eh.
2: I don't think that's a bad we, thing. We don't really notice yeah.
0: any... We're, we're not... Substantial enough to notice a huge difference. So, no, exactly. It and is I think, what it is.
1: And I think ACAST overall probably be better for our building of the podcast because we're on more platform because of it. Yeah. Um, and it allows us to keep the YouTube side of things up to date as well. Um,
0: yeah, YouTube is still quite a platform for growth.
1: Yeah. So, I think overall it's going to help us grow. Uh, and, of course, with the Patreon, like I just sort of teased, we are hoping to do bonus content, which will be Patreon-exclusive, so they won't come through a cast of the podcasting side of things. They'll only be on Patreon. Uh, things like blooper reels I and... Link
2: that.
1: I think you can, but I think... I I haven't quite worked it out yet. Oh, yeah. um, I did look into it, but it didn't quite make sense to me. It sounded like it was going to make the podcast patreon only which i don't want (laughs) oh yeah so uh but either way we're hoping to have special episodes there as well like one on politics we're hoping to do uh we i believe one looking
0: at the history of apple
1: and yeah one looking at the history of apple as well so yeah we're looking to do i guess um editorial pieces on there really as well just special things that could only i guess be possible because of funding in some ways
0: special episode brought to you by
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that'll be fun, because those episodes would effectively be sponsored by Patreon members for Patreon members. Yeah. So that'll be a fun thing to do. Um, And yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess, with that. But
0: Yeah, just, uh, just some nice changes, mixing it up a bit. Yeah.
1: As we go forth with our Season 2 plans, you know, where well, this it's is just... Episode 9 of Season 2 yeah. now.
0: This is what happens happens when you read spam emails.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they actually
0: aren't spam. Yeah. Four more weeks and we've beaten the record or we've matched the record for the previous season.
1: (laughs) Oh, true. Yeah. So what we're saying is we get to episode 11, end it, and then make a season (laughs) though.
0: Wait another two years. And then do a season three. (laughs) No. We've got to keep it going until at least EGX. We've, We've got to justify our visit. We don't have to justify visit, it? but it's nice to have a justi- justification. Yeah. um,
1: And it'll be nice to actually record a podcast in person. But as we were discussing earlier with train things, uh, I can train up to you to record episodes as well, I guess. Yeah. Because it's cheap enough. So, we'll uh, we, can do. we may have to look at doing something like that eventually. That could be uh
0: And some YouTube content. Keep your eyes YouTube peeled, content. everyone. Yeah, not And for of course... Not for- not right now no give us five minutes
1: and and probably more patreon content as well you know more little bits patreon and bobs splittives.
0: yeah so
1: there you go i think that covers that particular portion of the episode with the state of the
0: podcast as we
1: called it in our docs
0: the state of the
1: the, absolute, the state absolute
0: state of it yeah of this podcast <laughs> There's junk all over the floor. Tom it's, hasn't tidied his room. Uh, I genuinely haven't so yeah. <laughs> it was it was sort of tidy but then I put all the clean clothes I couldn't be bothered to put away on the floor and it's a mess again. <laughs> it's called a floor drobe.
1: It works. Floor I like the floor drobe idea. I feel uh, like my uh, partner would not though. <laughs> uh,
0: at my normal home I have a I have a sofa in my room and that's called the chaise laundry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh dear. Well, I guess with that particular uh, let's let's move on to to the. Unhappy. Yeah, it's time for Tom to be unhappy for a bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's think back to whatever episode it was when I ranted about streaming services. Was back. Was back in November. Yeah, quite a long time. It was. It was when. It was when they announced that Star Trek Discovery would not be coming to Netflix. It would be coming to Paramount Plus, which was supposed to be launching in February. Spoiler alert, it still hasn't. Very angry. Actually, to be honest, I'm not that bothered about Star Trek Discovery Season 4. But Yeah, I thought the idea of these platforms was to avoid the ad-riddled mess that is television nowadays. You know, like, I guess it's not too bad, but if you're trying to watch something and you're watching it on, like, British reference here, film 4, and it's like every 15 minutes you have... X amount of ads, It's like can it really disrupts the flow of watching a film. I like to just sit there and watch through without interruption. Or, more accurately, I like to sit there and look at my phone without interruption.
2: While <laughs> <A lot laughs> the movie's on
0: in the background. But, uh, yeah, so Disney are currently in the planning stage for launching an ad-supported tier to Disney Plus in 2022. Obviously, this allows for a cheaper option for streaming movies. But... We know that down the line, that's going to get more expensive and therefore regular Disney Plus is going to go up in price. Everything's going up in price. Can something go the opposite direction for a change, please? I was going to say, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, just to... Yeah.
1: Mules has gone up. Taxes have gone up. Uh, Heating and electric and that sort of stuff has gone up.
2: That's why I burn paperwork to keep warm. But um, yeah, you know, ad-supported
0: tiers are, you know, they're they're not great. But don't worry, Netflix saw Disney were like that, and they said, hold my beer. Netflix are looking to charge a second user fee for people who account share, or for people who watch Netflix in multiple locations from how they're going to try and make this work. So let's have a look at the the theoretical situation here say you uh you watch netflix at home and at your partner's house when you go and visit is netflix going to consider that two users and charge you an e- a fee for the extra thing so how is this going to work for people like me like a student i watch netflix here i watch netflix at home how do like sure i get netflix are trying to crack down on people sharing out their account But the way Netflix's payment system is structured, you pay for screens, not for households. So Netflix, what gives? Why do this? Oh, I know why do this money. Money's always the answer. But the thing is, it's like Netflix has still got some good content, but I feel like they've really gone down over the past several years. Especially with more rival services launching.
1: But that in itself is a problem, because more services is segregating the content even more, making it even more expensive yeah. to...
0: That you want. Just you watch, five or six years down the line, we're going to have a company come out that just aggregates them all into one and you just pay one big subscription fee and it's basically like paying for Sky or it's like Sky Comcast in America. Two, yeah. Actually, Sky is owned by Comcast, so it's just Comcast UK. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Param- so yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the Paramount Plus launch in the UK has been delayed until at least the summer this year, possibly later, which, you know, I can live without Star Trek Discovery, but the, the, the Halo TV series they've been working on is supposed to be releasing, like, this summer, and Paramount Plus isn't due to launch until after that. Jeez. And I kind of want to watch that. So... Guess it's time to see if uh, see if my VPN will let me watch it on, on American Paramount Plus.
1: I don't know why they even need to delay it. What's the problem?
0: It's probably something to do with regulation in the UK. Our, okay. our sort of like telecom and stuff is a bit more regulated than like what the FCC does.
2: Okay. Of-
0: Ofcom is a bit more stringent with things. Ofcom are also a bit more heavy-handed when it comes to fining for things. So, but hey, even you. Yeah, I was doing some research on this, and it turns out a while ago in America, at least, YouTube started offering movies with ads for free, like no no subscription or anything required. So it's just like
1: a YouTube ad on a video,
0: basically. Then yeah, Hmm. Um, but it's like full studio movies. Like RoboCop was on there when I just whipped out the VPN and gave it a go. Turns out my VPN does work. So I can go watch YouTube ad riddled movies.
1: <laughs> but how well does that work? If you, oh, I don't know, use an ad blocker on your browser. On my,
0: I haven't tested it on my PC. I only tested it on mobile yesterday. So I might give that a test after this.
1: Because you know, if you're using an ad blocker and you do it on your desktop or something, then is it just like a normal YouTube video experience where you don't have the ad and you watch it for free? And I mean, eh.
0: if it is, I'll be I'll be quite happy with that. Don't I tell mean, YouTube. Yeah, I was gonna say don't YouTube, stop cover your ears. <laughs> stop listening. <laughs> but um yeah, so um yesterday actually, uh yesterday for us, the twenty-third of March for everyone else, um YouTube now launched TV series. Um one I know they've got on there's Hell's Kitchen with uh Michelin starred chef angry British bloke Gordon Ramsey. <laughs> Uh, he's genuinely a nice bloke. He's just very good at pretending to be angry because it's what the American audience wants. But if you ever watch him with the... um, Everyone at this point has seen the meme of you, Donkey, and it's okay, Precious, on MasterChef for kids or whatever it was when the little girl was crying. But yes, I thought, you know... I feel the way YouTube is going about it is a bit better because you don't have to pay for anything.
2: For starters, like this next, like, something I've discovered the other day is,
0: you know Now TV? Yes, yeah. The the Sky subscription that doesn't have a contract or the box or the satellite dish or any of that nonsense. Um, Turns out that now TV now the base tier that you that is normally something like eleven pounds a month has ads on it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we know. Yeah,
1: me and Jess found that out a while ago. Um, in regards to the now TV thing uh, with the ads, I, I, was I know it's really I was annoying.
0: Paying, I was paying five pounds for the boost that removes ads and allows HD.
1: Yeah, so the base package allows you seven twenty p. In 2022, by the way,
0: Homecast. we are now in. It's
2: still Sky.
0: Why do you do this?
1: We actually cancelled it when we found out because we were like, "Well, actually, we didn't pay you to have ads."
0: Yeah, literally. the whole point of
1: paying for something is that you don't have ads. That is the I mean, point.
0: I've currently got my Now TV for half price. Yeah, because um, when TalkTalk Talk TV cancelled their t- um, Sky uh deal basically the replacement for the contract was we will offer like half price off um now tv for the duration of your talk talk contract with talk talk tv ah uh, yes so but at this point i might just cancel it because yeah i got the i got the boost thing when i watched uh the finale of the formula one season last year mm. Because I was like, I want to watch this live. Then it turns out they bloody aggregated it to Channel Four anywhere and I could have watched it for free. Scam myself there, didn't I? <laughs> but yeah, then I, then I found out that they had ads on it, and I was like, well, what's the bloody point of charging for it then?
1: Yeah, we
2: we 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 cancel. Uh... Yeah, we were, but you know what? Yeah. No, we we don't we 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 don't
1: want it. Uh, if you're going to charge us and then still give us ads, we still use the Now TV stick we have for like YouTube and.
0: Oh yeah, because it's just a Roku stick with a slightly a Roku different stick, yeah. firmware. Yeah. I mean, I gen like a actual Roku box is amazing. It's what I use for my projector. It is so good. But no, it's just so annoying. Like. At least the way YouTube's doing it. They're doing exactly the same thing that now TV is doing, but they're not charging you 11 quid for the
2: privilege. Yeah. So, you know, good job, YouTube. Good guy, Google. What's going on here? I mean, I don't know how long that'll last for, mind.
0: Uh, yeah. Google doing something good. I, I It's It's weird.
1: I'm assuming the only reason they could afford to pay it out and then have it ad-supported is because Google Ads is like the biggest ad delivery network ever. Yeah. So that's probably one of the reasons, I guess, they could support such a model.
2: Uh, I,
0: I think it might be some um, like some licenses that they got when they were attempting Google TV a while back. That could, yes, that could be I as think well. this is supposed to be replacing Google TV. Which was a thing they were trying to launch in America that never really got off the ground. It's really interesting, actually. We ought to do a bonus episode on the history of Google's failed projects because there is a surprising oh, amount. There's a lot. There's a there's a website for it as well. Or things that Google has bought and run into the ground. Yeah. And Microsoft. they used to be bad for that.
1: Yep. EA yeah, have nah, done it. Kind of cart, yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> but yes, Thomas is not happy with uh, with streaming services. Disappointment. Ruined day, immeasurable.
1: Although more surprisingly, moving on to the next topic from that is we're actually a lot more happier with Apple in the next one, apart from one particular. Ish.
0: A ish. couple of things. There's a couple, a couple of, of little, things, little details, but it's about things that we could never afford anyway. So whatever. <laughs> this is this is sort of with too much money's problem. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have more tech emerging from the giant donut in San Francisco. I still can't believe they built a donut for their headquarters and it cost them like billions of dollars. <laughs> but um yeah, so like I was expect I-, I was just expecting like an iPhone SE announcement, but no, this was a full like nearly hour long keynote and they announced a surprising amount. Especially seems as they normally wait until like late September, or early October to announce everything. But yes, yeah, so let's have a look at what we've got, shall we? Hmm. Apple have announced a third generation of the iPhone SE. You remember that thing that was just uh, an iPhone 4 chassis with slightly worse parts in it? Well, it's grown up into the third generation iPhone SE, which is still rocking the A15 Bionic chip. Is it called Bionic? Yeah, A15 Bionic. Yes, yes, yeah. Their their chip naming schemes are a little weird, but so is everyone else's. Except AMDs because Zen one through five is like so easy. Before e- that it was a nightmare.
1: Yeah, although the way you would think Zen One, Two and Three goes is not how it goes. It's
0: not quite <laughs> accurate, but it's more logical than Sky Lake, Coffee Lake, Steve Lake, Big Lake, Terry, Terry Wet Lake Lake. <laughs> <laughs> whatever lake intel is up to at this point <laughs> but yeah um the new ice the iphone se uh it's got 4.7 inch display which i feel is a little small i mean i guess it's okay for people who like small phones i don't that's that's my biggest qualm about changing to an iphone when it comes to upgrading my phone, is the fact that I'll be losing 0.6 of an inch of screen real estate diagonally. So that'll be uh, and it's the only iPhone to still be rocking the fingerprint sensor. Yeah. To be fair, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss the fingerprint sensor. Although there is a problem with the fingerprint sensor on my phone is that when I'm in a call with someone and I go to unlock my phone, the fingerprint sensor isn't exactly the same spot as the hang up call button. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the number of times i've accidentally hung up on people while trying to unlock my phone is unreal let's just ring them out like sorry i was this unlocking stupid. my phone <laughs> thanks oneplus but yeah um it's going to have the low low price tag of 419 pounds for the base model i don't really know if there's an upgraded model probably not the sc is designed to be meant to be the low bare end. bones yeah as possible, like not bare bones, bare bones, but you know, it is not there to be anything spectacular, it is definitely not there to rival the flagships. Um, what else was announced? There was a new iPad Air, um, it now has type C, it is finally joining the iPad Pro world, yep, and having a sensible connector
2: just to shame I still the still don't think they're ever going to do
0: still the iPhone. <laughs> no i don't think they're going to do the iphone to be honest oh no there is upgrade options for the se you can go up to 256 gig okay mm. that's, that's better than i expected but um yeah the new ipad air has the apple m1 silicon so this is going to bring the air lineup more in line with the, the ipad pro? pros yeah so was was I'll... the air supposed to be the intermediate between the basic and the pro I think it was. Uh, I'm assuming it was, because I think back
1: for the MacBooks, it's the low-end model. The Air is meant to be the lightweight, thin, less powerful version. And then you have the MacBook, and then you have the MacBook Pro. But in terms of tablets, I think it's the other way around, where it's the iPad, the Air, the Pro.
0: Looking at the pricing structure for it, The, the Air is the middle one.
1: Yeah. Um we'll be talking more about uh the iPad Pro in particular, the the twenty twenty one edition anyway, uh next time because uh we're
0: in this for a product review.
1: Uh yeah, it'll be a product review in most ways because uh I'm currently as of yesterday an uh well not quite an owner of one, but either way. In I have one. Of. I have one now. Um and uh I'm using it to read all our show notes right now, and this is one of the ones with the M1 silicon in, so it's the
0: twenty twenty one version. Man, um, I'm still using a, uh, a ThinkPad yeah. X260 for all my writing <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I, I'm looking forward to talking about it more but yeah the M1 Silicon man just as yeah. a general note in a tablet
0: is insane Apple have pulled something truly spectacular off with the Apple, so with the, uh, Apple M1 Silicon it, yeah. it is a computer grade processor that they can put in a mobile device
2: yeah
1: Absolutely. I mean this tablet has eight gig of RAM, for example, my one. Yeah.
0: Because I, I
1: have the two hundred and fifty six gig model. But if you yeah, get the one if you get the one terabyte or two terabyte storage models, which by the way, also insane for a tablet. Yeah, that's um, mental. You get sixteen gig of RAM in them.
0: Oh yeah, the the new Air has eight gig as well. Yes. I, RAM, I, so. I
1: suspect the air won't get the sixteen gig variant though. I suspect no. that'll be left for the pro. Um, otherwise, no. what's the point?
0: <laughs> yeah, and this one only goes up to two hundred fifty-six gigs, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be eight gig then. But uh, yeah, so the base model of the new iPad Air will be five hundred and sixty-nine pounds. Nice, actually. Are they, hmm? that's not bad. Like, if you look at the f- price
1: of that new SE compared to a like, uh, yeah. you know, an iPad Air, I know they are different things, but either way, for the amount of device you get,
0: that's well, the, the facts that... I mean, you're comparing a phone to a tablet, so, I mean, it's kind of unbalanced anyway. But yes. But you compare the silicon you're getting, the amount of screen real
2: estate you're getting, like, realistically, who even answers phones anymore? Not me, if I can help
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I try, I try to avoid answering the phone if possible. I don't want to talk to people. But, like, if you were looking for a productivity device... Like An iPad Air is now a genuine option because yeah. it's rocking that M1 silicon. And it's only £869 for the very top spec. That includes cellular and 256 gigabytes of internal storage. So that is perfect for a portable workstation that doesn't cost you a kidney. Yeah. I mean, com- compare it to uh, a iPad Pro of similar spec. I mean, the screens are slightly smaller than an iPad Pro. But yep. if you're working on a tablet, you kind of expect it anyway.
1: Well, if you compare to the one I have, it's the 12.9-inch Pro uh, with 256 gig. So that basically puts it in range of the top-end Air. Yeah. Um, and this one is probably like, what, 600 a grand... pound more?
0: It's, it's oh, a grand... it's only a couple of hundred more, is it? It's, it's a grand for the tops, well, for, for a similar spec. So that's cellular 256 gig. It's a grand, so you're saving yourself what 130 hundred quid. quid? Yeah, yeah. See, mine's Which not by the cellular. Mine's on the magic keyboard and everything. Oh god, yeah.
1: Mine's Wi-Fi only, but I mean,
2: mine. yeah,
0: yeah. Realistically, you're not like my laptop is cellular capable, but that's because I paid for a thirty-pound card and installed it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. Like, I, I do. As much as I'd love to, like, work with a MacBook, I do love the sheer modularity of one of these older Thinkpads. The fact that I can easily replace the batteries in, like,
2: seconds.
0: Hmm. The next generation of this one up removed the removable battery at the back, so... I'll be sticking with this one, thanks, boss. But... Um... <laughs> Slightly smaller announcement on the flagship end of things. Uh, the iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 Pro are now available in green. It's actually quite a nice shade of green. And uh, yeah, I will be getting the iPhone in green when I, when I get one. So.
1: Oh, Jess isn't going to like that one. She doesn't like the new green one. No,
0: it looks so nice. No, I, I, it looks a lot nicer on the Pro than it does on the regular one, on the actual iPhone. But I think that's because the iPhone 13 Pro seems to have a mattified glass back. So it's, like, matte as opposed to the sort of stark green that right, the regular yeah, okay. 13 is. Because the regular 13's got uh, glass back more akin to, like, the the 4 Series iPhones, where it was, like, shiny glass. I don't know right. what the back of your phone's like at all. Uh, think- mine's Shiny shiny yeah so like the 12 yeah the pro ones are more like etched matte kind of so it's less horrible see i like green besides the blue one the blue's a nice color as well or i could get it in product red
1: i got product red on my one
0: okay i won't go red then i can't copy (laughs) (laughs) Burridge. i must be different you're gonna
1: you're gonna be a newer model than mine anyway because i'm on the 12 at the moment yeah, see, I'm only on the... I'm on, I'm on the 12 standard. I didn't get the Pro or... Yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, so the most interesting thing to be announced. The Mac Studio. It looks like a Mac Mini that grew up. It's in roughly the same footprint as a Mac Mini, but about twice as... No, more than twice as tall, I'd say. About three times as tall. I,
1: I would say it's about three Mac Minis stacked on one top of one another. Because, like,
0: it. it's deceptive how... Thin a Mac Mini actually is. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm i was looking at the specs page, but I'm realised I'm looking at the wrong Mac. <laughs> I went I went to look at the Mac Pro and drool over it. That cheese grater front, it's just something else. Right. Okay. So um, along with the announcement of the uh new Mac Studio, um, we had the announcement of the Max uh the M1 Ultra. It's two M1 Maxes. Which I did they announce the Max as well? Or was that uh, announced for the previous generation? I think of... they announced the Max previously. Yeah, I feel like the Max either way, the M one Max is a ten core CPU with um a twenty-four core GPU. So what Apple have done is they basically duct taped two of these together to make the M one Ultra. <laughs> It's, it is actually something insane, what they've done. They have basically somehow developed into the silicon a bridge, effectively what a bridge chip does in a dual socket motherboard or
2: on a dual GPU graphics card. Uh, graphics card. Um, and But instead of having it
0: work across, balance the load between two CPUs, it just makes the system recognize it as one
2: single CPU. Despite the fact that it is two, technically, it is
0: insane. Like Intel, AMD, Nvidia, I think even ARM have been doing research into it. And like other companies that develop this sort of thing have been trying this for a while. Because the problem with as efficient as you might get with like a dual core server system, you still have that slight delay with the bridge chip they don't have this problem with Apple because some insane nonsense they're up to. Up to 800 gigabit per second memory bandwidth on the M1 Ultra. It is ridiculous. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, For the actual device itself, the Mac Studio, it comes with four Thunderbolt ports on the back. As well as two Type-C on the front. I do believe the two Type-C on the front are actually Thunderbolt on the uh, the M1 Ultra variant. Because they'd have more lanes for Thunderbolt then.
1: I was going to say, they would have the
0: lanes to be able to do that, yeah. Yeah. Um, in They uh, simultaneously support up to five displays.
2: Which is impressive for a Mac. Nothing compared to some trading setups I've seen, but
0: the traders are strange. Yeah, two Thunderbolt four ports on the M1 Ultra. Interestingly, I've noticed a lot of people talking about this. Is have Have you seen the
2: front of it, Barge? Yes. Yeah. The USB C ports are vertical. Yes, they are. They're not. Yeah. But that's actually interesting, that
0: because if you orient your Type-C port that way, there's a hell of a lot less mechanical force on the connector as it's dangling. So it's
2: actually better long-term for your cables. Like the way that a Type-C is designed...
0: Of course, yeah. The weight would hang off that. It's spread out across... The load is spread across a much wider area, so the mechanical force is a hell of a lot lower. So that's actually a better for whatever you have attached. I mean, at the height it's attached, it won't make a huge difference, but a slight difference over a long time does add up. But um, I thought that was that that was an interesting design choice. I do feel like what they should have done is they should have put the uh, the Type C ports above the SD card readers to make a face. Yes, that is very much a missed opportunity. God damn it, Apple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then centred it so it's like a proper...
0: Although, to be fair, it does look kind of like it could be a Star Wars robot's face.
2: <laughs> True.
0: With, like, an asymmetric face. We've seen that sort of thing with um, with Lando's uh, robot in Not Rogue One Solo. Yeah. But, um, so, on to the not-so-great thing. Although, actually, this one is kind of excusable. This bit. Mac Studio RAM is not upgradable. It is not socketed. It is soldered directly to the board. No upgrade options at all. Why I consider this excusable is there is an advantage to doing it like that. At the end of the day, RAM sticks are modular for increased build efficiency. What they are, what the disadvantage of having socketed RAM like it is it's further away from the cpu and that can make instruction retrieval between the caches on your cpu and the ram longer which again negligible difference but over several thousand or what are we up? we're up to millions of cycles a second aren't we with gigahertz oh god yeah so yeah, over several million cycles, that extra like millionth of a second really adds up.
2: So while it's not great that you can't upgrade your RAM, um, having it cl- be
0: having it directly soldered to the board and being in fact the DRAMs actually on the same silicon as the CPU, not like like the same substrate the fiberglass balls that makes up the circuit board that the M1 silicon sits on, and then all the associated MacGuffins. You can tell I'm an expert at computer stuff. I'm using the big words like MacGuffins.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like if you've ever taken the cover off of a GPU, you'll notice that all of the, na- all of the um, DRAM chips, or all of the RAM chips, are basically encircling the actual GPU silicon itself. And that's for lower transfer times. Because even on, like, the relatively small scale of a computer, those transfer times do add up very, very quickly. So, uh, this is the slightly more less good thing. That was good English. I, I speak good England, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, the storage... As far as we can tell, and this is using data generated by other creators who can get their hands on one of these devices, because I sure as hell can't, um, the storage is not upgradable after the fact, after purchase, unless it's done by Apple. So it does seem to be using... It has two onboard slots for M, for like an M.2-style... SSD, but it's a very, very short SSD I
2: did see in the iFixit teardown. Yes. Um, um and it is not a standard
0: SSD at all. So it's not like you could just slap a Samsung Evo in there. First off, it'd be way too long. But um it seems that the storage module is actually just the NAND chips that do the actual storing, the storage controller and the DRAM, so the cache for that drive, is actually sat next to the CPU on, like, not quite on silicon, but basically next to. So it would be a Apple pro- proprietary thing. Not great. Which, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, when you scroll down to the bottom of Apple's website and they're like, Mac Studio and the environment. This this device is, isn't recyclable, really. There's no harvestable parts. All it has to do is be chucked in e-waste at the end of its life. You can't upgrade it. I mean, the thing is, though, like... It's, it won't be great for the environment at the end of its life, but I expect these things will last a surprisingly long time. Like, I think my sister's iMac is 10 years old this year, and it still runs perfectly fine. It's, it can update as far as Catalina, and it runs fantastically for a device that age. Like, you compare it to a computer, like a, a desktop PC that someone has custom built from 2012, that will be starting to show its age. Whereas an Apple products surprisingly won't. Except maybe the phones. The phones do show their age a lot faster, but then again, you're not carrying a PC round in your pocket every day for 10 years, are you? Or like not a full desktop PC. But uh I fix it have had some success with swapping drives between machines, but they have not had any success with running two drives in the machine itself. So I wonder whether that extra slot is for the eight terabyte variant, and they just use four te- two four terabyte um, storage modules. It will be
2: interesting to see,
0: but I, uh, like I say, can't get my hands on one. So whatever, short of going to the Apple Store and asking very nicely, "Can I take this apart?" Which I'm sure they'll be like, "Yes." Yeah, sure. Yeah. So in terms of pricing. The base uh, Apple Studio with the M1 Max chip starts at 2,000 British pounds. Well, actually, no, it starts at 1,999
2: British pounds. But, you know, basically two grand. The M1 Ultra variant starts
0: at four grand. Or 39999. No, three nine nine nine. I put 129s um for a for the top tier build before any software because the configurator does have software options um we are talking 8000 great british pounds for an m1 ultra it costs 800 pounds to double the ram to 128 gig i guess that's the cost of soldering it onto the board i mean it definitely does not cost 800 pounds to solder ram to a board But yeah, and the upgrade to um, the eight terabytes of storage on
2: the M1 Ultra variant is £2,200. Which is just a little bit silly. (laughs) You know. at the end of the day it's an apple product it's expensive and on to the last
0: thing from the announcements the mac studio display it is basically the prores display's slightly more powerful cousin we don't really have much information on the interior yet because a lot of people a lot of reviewers prioritize the actual device over the screen but, uh one thing we do know is that the power cable is fixed why in fact, I don't think even my t. v. that I bought like five years ago came with a fixed power cable Farge, can you remember the last time you bought something with a fixed power cable
1: um, I mean our TV like, now has a fixed power cable play, yeah, 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 it's not exactly an expensive t. v mine okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I think
0: mine has a does a two. Uh, has, like, one of the two-pin kettle lead-type deals.
1: I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, the toaster, the kettle...
0: Yeah, like, appliances, it makes sense. You don't really want people plugging the wrong power supply into their kettle. That would be disastrous. But, yeah, especially part- given that those yeah. have, like, a fixed amperage draw. but... <laughs> you know... That, no,
1: I can't think of anything.
0: Realistically, like, if I wanted to move these monitors further away from a power point, I could go out and buy a longer cable to plug them in. But this is fixed at a six foot cable. Just shy of two meters. Basically. Um, but other than that, it is a 5K display at, coming in at 27 inches. That's that's, that's a big display. I'm not going to lie. Uh, obviously it's going to be aimed towards creators much like the Mac Studio. But um, it does have a built-in webcam that seems to be using the same camera module as the iPhone 11 did that's from the, uh, the cursory teardown that iFixit did at the end of their uh, Mac Studio teardown
2: and it costs £1500 for a display seem a bit steep to anyone else or just me I mean yeah, I mean I can't they can't say it's good for the environment but they're not like, by your realistically mod like modularity can be better for the environment. Holy. S- okay. So if okay, I'm just having a just having a look at the configurator.
0: So the 14.99 or 1500 quid for the base one you can get a tilt adjustable stand if you want a height adjustable stand it's an extra 400 quid
2: for <laughs> god's sake I mean there's a what reason was- I went with you know Is- a, a a
1: a cheapo bluetooth mouse and keyboard case set for my ipad yeah.
0: because the, Magic the
1: alternative so was like 600 pounds compared to 50 pounds
0: yeah uh, i was just having a look at the um a second again just because um i was was it the wheel no it was the stand for the monitor it, that yes that was a grand wasn't it okay yeah but i was just looking at the mac pro and they really missed out the Mac Pro Rack configuration. They really could have called it the Rack Pro, but they didn't. So, 0 <laughs> out of 10, Apple, worst company ever. Studio looks like it's a midway
1: between the Mini and the Pro. Right. Yeah,
0: well, um, I
2: feel well, the Mac it Pro... it seems to be
1: aimed at
0: Pros in some ways as well. Yeah, the Mac Pro, I feel, is more designed for, like, heavy
2: computational tasks. So, like... Um, I mean, it'll, it'll work for, like,
0: um, production of media or something, but, like, looking at some agencies that use this, some of them are, like, crunching numbers. I do to be wonder- fair, though, it, it is one of the few sort of desktop packages that you can get an Intel Xeon W in
2: easily. I was gonna say it's like the only Apple product these days that still uses Pro. Yeah. I I I.
1: If the studio is what it is now, I am really wondering what the, is the Pro ne- will be.
0: Are they gonna develop another? Uh, are they gonna put a bridge trip in between two M1 Ultras? Ooh. <laughs> and have a dual socketed M1 Ultra. Ooh. That would be insane. You know, you know the, the worst part is is that the TDP and the power draw on the M1 is so low compared to that Intel yep. Xeon. So it is something it would, else entirely. It
1: would be insanely more powerful and also insanely really efficient.
0: Yes, Yeah, that, that is one thing. The M1 silicon is very energy efficient. So I guess that means Apple can sort of claim they're green, despite the fact that nothing in this device can be upgraded. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, on the topic of CPUs, AMD has announced the next-gen Threadripper. And you can't buy it. <laughs> of course. I, I was kind of disappointed to find this out, because, you know, a Threadripper has always been like, the if you had the big money, and you wanted a proper... Workstation, then you go Threadripper. Um, but now AMD are saying no. You can't have it. Even though they're releasing it, it's only going to be available to OEM system in- integrators. So as far as I know, at the moment, Lenovo are the only
2: ones that can get their hands on it. Um, it's coming in Lenovo Workstation PCs. Oh. Which is
0: interesting because, like, I know that the universe that uh, uni down here is uh, primarily L- Lenovo computers. Well, yeah, they all got changed fact, the year I was there. In fact, all of our lecture halls are running on, like, uh, Lenovo think centers, the, the like, yeah. little thin ones. Yep, yeah, because they, the think they think got Center all decent.
1: new yeah. monitors, keyboards, mice, they got the whole lot. I think it was on my... I did my foundation year on the older hardware and then over yeah. the summer, going into my first year, they changed it all
0: you know that'd be like my kind of dream job would be going into somewhere ripping out all the old stuff and putting in all the new stuff and then yeah, stealing all the old stuff really <laughs> i'm like i'm here learning like how to program and stuff But i just love the hardware side of things problem is there's not really a degree you can study in that short of electrical engineering but then you sort of more learn about that's kind of tangentially related so but, um, yeah, sadly, this could be spelling the end for the very highest-end Prothusiast PCs, especially with the fact that AMD recently uh, unlocked the ability for OEM system integrators to lock their CPUs to a, a certain, like, motherboard. Did you see the LTT video on that?
1: Oh, I didn't.
0: It was a, it was a Ryzen 5 3600 or something, and they put it into a Lenovo... Motherboard from one of their pre-built, and it became locked to that system.
1: Ooh, that's not.
0: Yeah, literally. So, so that means you couldn't even buy one and take the Threadripper out if they have that enabled on it.
2: But the thing is, it's like the Threadripper was—it was never like a gaming PC CPU. No,
0: it has always been like way too powerful for that I know there's like the meme in the community of like you can never have too many frames but in reality at the cost to run a CPU because like just the thermal output from it starts at about 200 watts
2: Um like running a Threadripper unless you're doing heavy
0: computational work or you're doing something insane like um, high detail 3D rendering all on CPU alone. Then a th- that'd be like the only time it'd call for a Threadripper outside of a professional environment. And realistically, if you're doing that sort of animation, you're probably doing it as a professional anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: So it'll hit a few people. I do know some. Pe- I do know of people who do. Did buy thread rippers and game on them, mainly as a brag. You know, I oh, have yeah, a thread ripper. Ha ha
2: ha. Um, but no, it's it's sad. But at the end of the day, eh. Okay, there seems to be a lot of
0: things that doesn't affect me really, in terms of the the, the sort of meh news. So, anyway, on a different topic. OneWeb satellite internet are launching the remainder of their satellite constellation aboard Falcon 9. This is all Russia's fault. We won't get into the. Oh, well, we we all know the reasons why, but we won't get into the politics of that. You'll have to jo- join us on Patreon for a special episode <laughs> mm-hmm. about politics. Um. So yeah, this this has got to hurt OneWeb. So I'm you. I'm guessing you don't know what OneWeb are. Burrage. Nope. No, okay. I'm
2: at completely out of the whole satellite so, side of things.
0: You know what Starlink is? It's
2: a competitor to Starlink then I assume. Yeah, it is a Starlink competitor. It is um it's similar to um Starlink,
0: except for it, it seems to more target business and government use. So it would be providing a reliable internet connection for things like satellite offices for businesses, or for um, like temporary missions on behalf of a government around the world. I, I expect they probably provide some military internet communication as well. But um, yeah, so they were launching aboard Soyuz, which is launched from the Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. But the actual Cosmodrome is run entirely by Roscosmos, which is a Russian agency. So, um, OneWeb are now having to pay th- the biggest disruptor
2: in the game, SpaceX with Starlink, to um, put their equipment in space. So, that's. Um... <laughs> to be fair, it's. This is like. Um... Oh, how would it be the best to describe this? I don't know, it's really hard to describe. I don't think there's really anything that would be easy to explain that's like an analogy for it.
0: It's like in Formula One when the team's logistics companies used trucks. Made by a rival team's like primary sponsor. So it's like if Red Bull had their, had all their equipment hauled around by Mercedes lorries. That'd be like kind of the analogy. Or it'd be like if every iPhone in the world was shipped aboard a ship made by Samsung. Because Samsung (laughs) do make ships. Yeah, true. Samsung are a lot bigger than they seem. It is something else. They even have like a biomed research division, which is moderately concerning. Yeah. But, uh, um, yes,
2: that's just a little bit of information. Um, just a sad fact of uh, what happens
0: when it all goes wrong in Eastern Europe. When there's what one particularly big aggressive bloke getting angry at some smaller countries. But that's not for now. On the topic of Eastern Europe, though, CD Projekt Red. They have announced they are working on a fourth game in the Witcher series, but something is different with this one. Hmm. Yes. So, obviously, they have uh, they announced that they are working on the game, and that's about all we know about what's coming in The Witcher 4, if that's even what they're going to call it. Um. Instead, the announcement was more of a platform to announce something else. They are stopping using the Red Engine, which is their own game engine. And instead, they are having a multi-year deal with Epic Games to use the Unreal Engine 5.
2: Hmm. I don't really know much about game engines. So, well... So
0: Unreal Engine Five has what Fortnite's made in, isn't it?
1: N- well, it's made in Unreal Engine, but yeah, Fortnite, Unreal yeah. Engine Five has only really come out recently. Oh, okay, so it's, it's the newest version of the engine. It's a,
0: it's a continuation of four, though, really. Yes, or based similarly. It, but
1: it has added lots and lots and lots and lots of new things, and from what I've seen of it, very, very good. Uh, the Matrix demo everyone was playing on the PS5 recently, that was made in Unreal Unreal, Engine 5. That was Unreal 5, okay. Yes. Uh, So that's the sort of thing that is possible with it. And when I saw like the um, quote-unquote gameplay of the Matrix demo, there wasn't a lot of gameplay. There was a bit of shooting and walking around, but there was no missions or proper gameplay really attached to it. Um, It was mostly just look at the physics and the shit like that. But the graphics on it were actually remarkable because, you know, it was effectively rendering it in real time as if it was a cutscene now.
0: Okay, yeah. To be fair, looking at some of the stills they have from, like, from in the engine on the website, it does actually look graphically amazing.
1: So, and, you know, The Witcher 3 in particular looked very good for its time. It still looks very good now. Um, And that was in Red Engine, their own engine but obviously quite buggy as well. And, well, we already know what happened with Cyberpunk
0: 2077.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, So it's interesting that they've decided to do this. I'm assuming Epic approached them and was like, hey, we'll pay you to use our brand new engine because that seems to be what's going on at the moment. They seem to be paying people to use their engine. Yeah,
0: that's... Well, it's like um, back when they first launched the uh, Epic Games Store, they approached companies and paid them to be exclusive to their store.
1: Looking at you, Square Enix.
0: Looking at... Well, they didn't so much pay Psyonix to make Ro- Rocket League exclusive as they bought instead to make, Ro- <laughs> to make yeah. Rocket League exclusive, which I'm still not... It was a good game, but I don't want to have to log into Epic for it. On the bright side, though, it has been announced that at least the next entry in the Witcher series will not be epic games exclusive so at the moment at, at the moment yeah it has happened before where things have been announced for steam and then not but to be fair with the with something like the weight of the Witcher series mind you they've done it with pre- with other big series they, they do it with borderlands yeah so uh, uh
1: final fantasy 7 remake uh, the integrated version, so that's the version that came out on the PS5 with the yeah. uh, extra content. Uh, that is exclusive to the Epic Games Store. Uh, and the latest Final Fantasy game, The Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy. Oh, God, it's a stupid title. Uh, but anyway, um, that is exclusive to Epic Games
0: Store on PC. Uh, you know, like I understand someone's trying
2: to step up and compete
0: with Steam, but... I feel like the approach is really the wrong way to go about it. Like we're going to compete with Steam by not having competition over like these purchases we're going
2: to make them you can only have them here. Yeah. That's not how competition is supposed to work. But oh well. What speaking we of uh, well, no, we can't really oh, do much actually... about it at the moment, but speaking, speaking of Steam... things
1: I mean, speaking of... Well, no, I've got a better one for you. Well, you've got a better thing. Speaking of things that are multi-platform. OBS. 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 It's now on another platform.
0: Yeah, this was a weird one to see. OBS is on Steam now. Hmm. I mean, sure, Steam have done software for a long time. It's not what we think of primarily when we think of Steam. But, you know, whatever. It's there. But OBS... Really? I think it's great. Well, yeah, updating is going to be a lot easier. I
1: mean, there's no point in it in reality, but, I mean, it's just another platform for people to have it on, I guess. I
0: I do wonder. I wonder whether it's to enable streaming from the Steam Deck. Ooh, maybe. That's that's, that's what I thought about it, because that way it can automatically integrate with Proton through Steam. If it doesn't run natively on... uh, I think OBS does run on Linux. OBS runs natively on everything. Yeah, OBS is good like that.
1: Okay, it doesn't run on things like iPad and iPhone, but yes, the actual main, you know, desktop Your big three,
0: it runs on them. I say the big three. Sorry, Linux, I've just grouped every distro in with you. But (laughs) I've just, like, set the whole Linux community like that. But, um, mm-hmm. The question is, though, if I install it through Steam and uninstall my old one, what happens to all my plugins?
1: Uh, well, and in are they th- going
0: to be on the well, Steam Workshop?
1: Well, no. In theory, the plugins and everything are stored elsewhere, aren't they? I don't think they're stored in the install itself. So. There's like a settings area that everything's all yeah. saved to. I, know. So... I,
0: might, I might
2: install it and see what happens. But, uh... play with. I just thought it was really odd when I saw the headline about it. I mean, the the software I use to edit the podcast is on Steam. <laughs> that's what yeah. I use.
0: Yeah, but it's it's just a strange move, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Well, hey, and that that's it. That is us all done for this episode of Burrage and Tom Rambling On. If you've liked what you've heard and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to Burgeon and Tom over on YouTube or follow our podcast on your favorite podcast source, now including Amazon. If you really like what you've heard, then you can support us over on Patreon. If you want to get involved with the community, you can join our Discord. To all these link- to, they're there, they're there. The links to all these and more are available over at BurrageandTom.com. Uh, just before we do the outro, I would like to say OK Google, Alexa, Hey Siri, subscribe to Burridge and Tom rambling on. <laughs> As always, I have been Tom. And I've been Burridge.
2: Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next time with even more nonsense. Goodbye. Goodbye now.